Yo, we back. Episode 13. Uh, exciting episode that I'm very happy to be recording. Episode 13. Um, so much to get to. Like, I'm going to just first start off with, that's probably going to be the title of this episode. Like, I was right. I was right. When you're right about the finals and you don't really get this, you know, that many opportunities to be so right about the NBA finals or something like that, you take that opportunity. So I'm going to take this opportunity to say I was right. You know, because I did predict that the Warriors is going to win in six games versus uh, the Bucks, which they didn't, obviously didn't make it to the finals. But, you know, they, they did win in six in the finals. So I'll take that as my as my right uh, prediction. I made some other, good, you know, predictions and everything, but that's like the main one. Um, but I mean, yeah, the the finals, I think the last episode I recorded was after the Warriors might have tied up the series 2-2, I believe. I don't I, I know it, it was before game five. I'm sure. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, game five happened and the Warriors, you know, came out and I really didn't get to see the majority of the game because I was out and about doing stuff. So I wasn't really able to see game five. Um, but it looked like a team effort where you got a great game for Wiggins. You got Clay who probably had his best shooting game of the entire series. You had Draymond who played better than what he did. I know game four, he played better than what he did the first three games, but that wasn't really saying much. So game five, I think he really improved his game. Um, did all of the Draymond type of things that you want him to do. You know, it was just like a team effort in which Steph didn't shoot the ball well from three, but because Steph is a superstar, he's one of the best ever. He did the other things. He led, the, you know, being that leader, playing defense, still his gravity and what he brings on the court. I know, you know, Steph's gravity has become a joke because of how much Warriors fans have have overrated how his gravity is. But his gravity definitely had an impact on the game at that moment, you know. So I want to um, give Steph credit for that because even when his shot was a falling, you see him grow as a player as in like he you know, uh, drives to the rim more. He uses his mid-range, uh, probably not more technically, but you just get the feeling that he's more willing to shoot that mid-range jumper as the best shooter in the NBA. So, you know, it was just a great effort from uh, Steph and, and the, you know, and those guys at home. They protect their home court. You know, they finished the postseason 11-1. and one. The one game that they lost, they could have easily won at home. You know, so they could have been 12-0 and in the, uh, at, at home in the, in, in the playoffs. So that's actually what helps them be so dominant. You know, they was up 3-1, closed out Denver 4-1. They was up and they closed out Memphis. They was up against uh, Dallas, beat them in five games, and then they beat the Celtics in six games. When you don't have to go to a game seven, winning home games is very important. When you have home court advantage in the first round, the conference finals and the finals, and you handle business like that, it means a lot. So um, it was just a group effort. Then you get to game six. And heading, heading into game six, I was, you know, hesitant. But I really did kind of have that feeling that the Warriors could really, really win that game. Because I got the feeling that the Warriors had it kind of figured out. Like they had it kind of figured out on kind of the formula to beat the Celtics. You know, where you don't have to get a perfect game from Clay, Where you don't have to get a perfect game from, from you know, Draymond. But you can still find a way to win on the road in Boston. And Boston just seemed like their offense, like Tatum, who knew, you know, to be honest, I did predict for Tatum to have a big game, game six, for him to just hit some crazy tough shots, you know, for them to, for them to win that game. But clearly it didn't work out that, you know, that way for the uh, Celtics. You got to get Wiggins and the Warriors team defense credit. You know, they 
did what they were supposed to do to stop one of the best scorers in the NBA right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that Tatum did not have that big game and definitely will get to Tatum, you know what I mean? I definitely will get to Tatum and what he didn't do or what he should have did, you know. But I more so just want to talk about the Warriors and what they did do. Like, going out in that first quarter, I'm like, okay, the first quarter is very important for the Warriors because they get, you know, they get onto these slow starts. Never forget how they lost by like 50 points against Memphis without John Morant because they started so slow. And but they was able to really like have the lead, I think, after the first quarter or like maybe like it was a, it was a close game, basically. And that was a great sign from the Warriors, because if they continue that trend of playing better than the second then what's going to happen? And they played better in the second quarter. They played so well in the second quarter that the Boston Celtics wasn't able to do anything on their end of the court. Like, they wasn't, you know, I mean, the the offense just wasn't clicking for them. Like, you got to give the Warriors team defense uh, credit because, you know, you you got guys like a Gary Payton, you got guys like a Wiggins, a Draymond, a Steph, even Clay. Game six, Clay's defense like somehow like suddenly came back to how it was back in back before the the ACL the Achilles injury like his defense got back to what we're used to seeing from Klay Thompson that was fun to see you know because not just seeing Klay make a uh, score 30 points is fun seeing Klay Thompson be that perimeter defender that was very fun to see and I think that was an underrated part of game six that I don't see that many people talking about I see you know only a couple people that I respect you know in terms of their basketball opinion and they're the only people that are really talking about it but Clay's defense was great in game six you know that would be something to look forward to to possibly seeing you know in the regular season not that he'll be the same defender but if he can just get back to having more of those type of games that would be very great for the Warriors obviously I thought, you know, Jordan Poole, that run he made, the passes and stuff, he finally, like, because he was going on a run, like, the Memphis series for the majority of the Dallas series, he was pretty quiet. He wasn't really giving the Warriors what they would like to get from Jordan Poole. And the fact that he, you know, woke up for a game five where he hit some big shots, some key shots. Like, that was a key 14 points he scored in game five. A very important – that's why you can't always just look at the fourth quarter. Don't listen to people like a Skip Bayless that only cares about fourth quarter scoring. If you ever play basketball, ever play football even, four quarters matter. The points that you score in the first quarter, the points that you score in the second quarter actually matters to the game and to the momentum of the game for both teams. So – to be honest, I just want to give Poole credit for that because I was on Poole's head because I've been a Jordan Poole fan ever since he was in high school as a as a as the 90, uh, 91 best player in this class. Like he was barely top 100 and I've been a fan of Jordan Poole for years now. So I just wanted him to uh, play better. And uh, he did that like he, he did that. Not many 22, 23 year olds, you know, in the NBA today stepped up the way he did to end out the regular season because that was important for the Warriors for them to win those games in the regular season that helped them in their seeding you know I still think regardless they would have beat Dallas clearly they were the better team than Dallas but you know having home court advantage and, and winning those games getting that momentum and Clay Thompson having a big game before the playoffs you know that that mattered for the Warriors so give Jordan Poole his credit and I'm glad I'm glad he's going to get a bag a big bag as he said post game like Wiggins you about to get a bag I'm about to get a bag like we both about to get a bag I love that that's probably my favorite like locker room celebration moment of the finals to uh 
you know what five days ago or so you know um but yeah pool's run was was great and then the third quarter steph lit them up again like steph just lit them up hitting threes and he pointed at his finger and after he pointed at his finger the warriors offense started to get you know not as good and you know Boston finally started to play some type of consistent offense, some type of consistent scoring on, you know, on, on that end of the court as the Warriors offense started to slow down. And I thought the Warriors was actually going away from Steph a little too much. How can you really say that when you're, you know, you're clicking so well on offense where guys are passing the ball well and everything? I, I understand not giving the ball to Steph, but just me not looking, not being on the court. Obviously, it felt as if they probably should have kept giving the ball to Steph. That's how I felt in, in the moment. But Steph missed a couple of shots that he could have made in the third quarter. And, you know, the fourth quarter is like, wow, this is like a close game all of a sudden. Like, this would be a bad moment if Steph pointed at his finger and now they blow this. I mean, that would be terrible. Like, going into game seven, now, granted, I don't think Steph really cares that much. But, you know, pointing at your finger, saying, you know, ring me up or whatever in the third quarter then you blow that lead and now you have to play a game seven at home and that's the whole narrative and everything like it would have been really 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 bad because you blow any type of lead in the playoffs especially a lead in the finals where you could have won the whole championship like it would have been bad but to Steph's credit that fourth quarter he closed them out again like Steph's closing like that's another thing Steph I mean Steph has always been able to close games they didn't win 73 games. They didn't make it to, what, what two finals before Kevin Durant ever got there, and Steph didn't close out games. Steph has always had, had that type of ability. But that fourth quarter, man, the way he just diced up Al Horford, the shots that he hit, like it's just a certain calmness, a certain, you know, like he's really matured as a player. He really understands the moment and what exactly he needs to do. And Boston, I think they just really realized, like, in game four, I saw Bill Simmons say this recently, and he's right, you know, he's a, he's a Boston Celtics fan, and he said this, like, game four was the game where the the series shifted, and I think the Boston Celtics realized, like, yeah, we don't have anybody that's on this guy's level right now, you know what I mean? If not game four, then game six for sure, and, you know, it was nothing they could do about it, you know, like seeing Steph have that moment in the finals and finally that stupid argument of finals MVP could be done with because he already had all of the numbers, all of the games that proved that he was one of the best playoff performers ever, not just of his era, of his generation, but literally ever. I'm glad that he actually, you know, has that award so people can't even say that to because people really didn't really believe the stuff that they were saying about him, but they just used that award to try to get at him. So now they can't do that against him anymore because um, it was so clear he was the best player in the, in the in the finals and, you know, he was so efficient and just so great, you know, even on defense as well. His, his defense throughout the majority of the series, outside of like game three, I sounded like game three where the Warriors got killed that game. I thought Steph's defense was amazing, like, like was amazing. Um, Wiggins, a guy for Wiggins, like, it was this narrative of, like, other teams in the NBA. I don't know if this is true or not, but other teams in the, NBA, in the NBA don't like the Warriors and how they built up this roster and how they get to pay all these guys this money to stay there. But how can you get mad at the Warriors? 
they traded for Wiggins, but everybody could have traded for Wiggins, but nobody wanted him. The Warriors wanted him, and they believed in him. He turned out to be their second best player. They don't win this finals without Wiggins' performance on 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 uh, offense at certain times, and especially on defense. His rebounding as well was very important throughout the playoffs. Like Wiggins played a huge factor in this championship, and I think it's great for Wiggins because he's a guy that was killed by the entire basketball world because we expected so much more, you know, um, from him, and he he just wasn't able to give us that, you know. So. Um, hold on real quick. Hold on, hold on. Brief, brief intermission real quick. But, um... But yeah, um, Wiggins. Yeah, the fact that he was just able to get back to what he, um, what we wanted from him, you know, is you know just just great. And I think it's you know hopefully we can start to like change our you know like so the draft is tomorrow. Well, today now it's Thursday midnight. Thursday, the draft is tonight. If Chet Holmgren isn't going to be this perennial all-star but he can still be a very good player and 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 add to a championship we should change our expectations and not continue to kill him over what we see he's not actually supposed to be like we have to look at our eyes and say we were wrong let's change our expectations of this guy like wiggins isn't the guy you want to have to score 25 a night 24 a night but he's a guy that could give you 18 to 20 a night and give you amazing defense um you know rebound the ball just be that athletic wing, two-way wing player. And hopefully you got a superstar. Hopefully you got another all-star scorer like a Clay Thompson. Hopefully you, hopefully you got another young up-and-coming scorer like a Jordan Poole. Hopefully you got a defensive, you know, uh, a defensive mindset, a defensive, you know, smart team that can get it done on that end like the Warriors do. So, and then... Guys like Wiggins can actually thrive and really shine. Like the things, like when you want so much out of somebody, the things that they do well, you don't really get to see or you don't really pay attention to. You don't really appreciate it. But when you don't really ask for them to do all of these extra things that they just can't really do or that, you know, they're not the best at doing, the things that they are just naturally best at those things will really shine. Those things will really point out, you know, and, and stick out to you. So I just want to give Wiggins his credit for that. Kavon Looney played every game throughout the entire season. He deserves a huge bag. I'm going to be most happy to see Jordan Poole and Kavon Looney get the bag this season. Gary Payton the second. I don't know his contract situation, but whenever he gets a bag, I'll be happy about that. If you know his story, his story is just really dope. But Kavon Looney played the entire, the entire regular season of playoffs. And, you know, he's been very underrated. Like, I remember the Warriors re-signed him to, like, a three-year deal. I think that was after the 2019 finals or something like that. And that was a big, big re-signing because I don't know what his free agent, you know, thing was going on. But I felt that I felt at the time, and nobody really thinks about this type of stuff except for me. But I remember thinking at the time, like, Cavallo only re-signed with the Warriors for three years, $15 million. 
He probably could have got a bigger deal somewhere else, right? I just imagine that being the case. I don't know if that was the case, but I just imagine that. But the fact that the Warriors could re-sign him like that, and they 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 knew his value. Like even back then, he wasn't even the player that he is now. I think he's better on defense. I think he's just a smarter, more mature player. You know, what I mean, than what he was years ago. So the fact that they just really valued him, got to give again. The Warriors credit, like the Warriors drafted Steph, Clay, Draymond, those three, obviously. They drafted a Jordan Poole where he wasn't like this obvious pick. He was a late first round pick coming out of Michigan. I knew about Jordan Poole, but not everybody knew about him. In fact, his rookie season, he got a lot of slander because of how bad and how inconsistent he was. But they believed in him. They developed him, and now he's going to get a big bag this this, uh, this offseason. 29 other teams would love to have a Jordan Poole on their roster right now, right? Um, give them their credit. Gary Payton II came out of the G League, and they developed him and believed in him. You got to give them credit. Like... Guys like this, Cavalloni, they drafted them. Like, you got to give them credit. Bialisa, I remember they, they got Bialisa and Otto Porter. And certain people, you know, people that have podcasts out there, I, I you know, I ain't throwing no shots because we all get wrong on different things. But people was not too too uh too pleased about the Warriors signing Otto Porter because he did kind of underachieve with the big contract in Washington and he did have his injury issues and stuff like that but I believe that that was a great signing because they just needed another big body a guy that could defend a guy that could shoot now I didn't know that he would be that good for the Warriors like he would fit so well with the Warriors as like like quickly as soon as the season started he's part of the reason why they started off to that amazing start uh be Elisa a, a, a big body, a veteran, a guy that can hit a three, a guy that can push the ball up the four, that can make the right pass, you know, smart uh, um, uh, offense. And in the finals, when Bielisa played on defense, he didn't get killed. He was a guy that, you know, like the Warriors roster is filled with guys that can play defense or has the tools to play. You know, like Kaminga might not be the best defender right now, but he has all the tools to be a a great defender, like an all-NBA type of dif- you know defense guy. He has all the tools for that. And Bielisa is not one of those guys. He's slow, you know what I mean? You know, so, but he wasn't really getting killed on defense when he played in the finals, you know? So give the Warriors credit for getting those veteran guys in free agency that people didn't really care about when the real— in, when they signed him in free agency, but now all of a sudden, you know, oh, it's unfair and stuff, like whatever. The Warriors, you know, four rings is definitely a dynasty, definitely. Like six finals in eight years, and then six out of those, four out of those six finals appearances, you win the chip, it's a it's a dynasty, man. Like I know Bill Simmons, Bill Simmons don't want to call it that, but it's a, it's a fucking dynasty. And what's crazy is if Clay wasn't injured for two seasons, they might have actually won one more already. So you could be, you know, they could be looking at trying to win six, you know, rings or whatever. Who knows? You know, it happened how it happened, but four rings in eight years, that's a, a dynasty to me. Who knows when the next time we'll see something like that. It'll take some time, you know. And they have an opportunity to do it next season. They're going to be able to keep uh, Poole and Wiggins together. They're going to be able to uh, hopefully try to keep Kavon Looney, which I think they will be able to do. But if they don't, then I think they can, you know, get some 
some, you know, nice options to replace a Gavon Looney. I know they love him, but, you know, it is what it is with that. But they have a great opportunity to repeat next season. Real uh, uh, quickly, I saw people talking about Steph's top 10 all time. I'll be quick because I want to get to the Brooklyn Nets. I want to get to this Drake album. But um, I would say absolutely. Like, when I thought about it, I'm like, I want to respect the legends of the game. But I always say, like, a Bill Russell, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, those guys, I never got to really watch four games of what they did. Like, it's a couple of four games I could watch, like, a Bill Russell, but... It's hard for me to, like, like me, I'm not mad at anybody. If you never watched a Bill Russell game, but you have him in your top five, I'm not mad at you. You're respecting the legend of basketball. I'm cool with that. But for me personally, I just can't personally have you in my top five list if I just don't really ever watch what you did on the court, you know. So that's just how I view things. And um, so, but even then I still put those guys up there. And even when I put those guys up there, I still have stuff in my top 10. You know, I've seen multiple people have them in their top 10. If I had to do like a ranking, I think I had stuff like, like, like seven or eight on my list. I had them over bird. I have them over Wilt. Um, Shaq is, is above Steph and, and Kobe and Duncan, but I have him above Bird because of the four rings, and Bird has three, but I just think Steph individual numbers, like you go through his postseason career of numbers, like the threes made, how many threes he's made per game, the percentages, average 20, 27 points in the playoffs, five and six on really, really, really fucking good efficiency. Like it's hard to really argue, like six finals in eight years, like it's hard to really argue against it. Didn't I also factor in impact? And Steph has as much impact on basketball as almost, as almost anybody. Obviously, Larry Bird impacted basketball. You know, one of the first, you know, icons of, of the sport. But, you know, Steph has impacted the game in a large way, too. So I just have to also just, you know, it's just too much for me not to put him in my top 10. Like, he's in my top 10. I have him, like, seven or eight on my list. Like, he's not, I mean, even... 10 on the list like that's still amazing like think about it out of the top 15 ish players you're all what six six and above like jerry west is like what six five maybe you know six five maybe oscar robinson was like six five six four but all of these guys are like six six and above and he's this six three guard he shows that it's possible for you to be a regular size point guard and be up there on the same list as Jordan, as LeBron, as Magic, as Kareem, you know, like that's a huge, huge deal. So I just want to give Steph his credit. He's one of my favorite players ever. I'm always happy to see legends of the game, you know, shut up haters and people that are being ignorant about them, you know. So salute to Steph. Salute to Clay Thompson coming back from that injury. He's going to be better next season. The parade was, you know, very fun to watch. Draymond. You know, wilding. Steph was going crazy with the dance moves, by the way. The dance moves, Steph was going crazy. I don't want to hear what nobody say. He was going crazy with the dance moves, bro. Like, it was fire. I would have liked to probably be there. Like, I'm not having, like, a lifelong Warriors fan, but it just looked like great energy, you know. So, salute to the Warriors. To the Boston Celtics, real quick, I would say they need to improve. Just pretty much the whole roster is going to be coming back. So, I was just hopefully just somehow get through those times where you have those long stretches where you don't play good offense 
Like, that's been a consistent problem where they give you six minutes of great offense and six minutes of terrible offense. And basketball is a game of runs, but they're way too inconsistent. Like, they're too inconsistent. We've seen it. Like, it was like, okay, will they finally be able to win their championship even with them being inconsistent on offense? And we figured out that the inconsistency was just way too much for them to overcome against a better team like Golden State. So if a market smart could just get better at, like, getting guys involved or, like, a Jalen Brown, I, I don't know, somebody that can get easy but like – Boston wasn't able to get those easy buckets. The Warriors got easy buckets. Like, Golden State could get those crazy shots with Jordan Poole and Clay and Steph and just hitting great shots, but they always get those easy layups, those easy, you know, uh, 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 wing is a dunk, uh, putback dunks, offensive rebound, get a dunk, Draymond, you know, uh, Ever, ever, occasionally gets a layup. You know, uh, Steph gets a layup. Like Jordan Poole drives to the rim and he gets a layup. Like those easy buckets that the Warriors get is part of the reason why their offense is so, so great. You know, so great. So I, I would say just really focus on getting those easy buckets. I don't think they have to get rid of a Marcus Smart, but I'm not against you know losing him either. I saw some people you know talk about the value that he brings and I'm not the biggest Celtics fan. I didn't watch every regular season game. So I'm sure you guys understand that how important he is to your squad. And I do think it would be a you know definitely something how many guards in the NBA defend like Marcus Smart? So no matter who you replace him with, you're going to lose something on defense. But on offense, you could really gain something if you get somebody that really fits within that roster. I just don't know who could really fit with that roster. So I don't know, but I do think the Boston Celtics, between them and the Bucks, they're easily the two favorites coming out of the East. Philly got James Harden and and. I don't trust him. And Pat James Harden, Embiid as well. Let's talk about Embiid. He's not, you know, he's not somebody to be trusted in the playoffs. So that's one thing. You got Miami, who still clearly needs an extra, you know, superstar score, like an extra, you know, star score next to Jimmy Butler. You know, Jimmy can't just be the only guy averaging almost 30 or whatever. So they need, you know, another big-time scorer. I don't know how to get that guy. And then Brooklyn. Speaking of Brooklyn, that was like my quick, you know, segue. That was my, that was my ESPN segue to what I wanted to talk about next. To speak about Brooklyn, man, that roster is real, um, real funny right now. It's real funny, like because Kyrie is talks about how he's not happy, and I, I'm not surprised by this. I kind of expected this to kind of happen, but the fact that this happening right now is just kind of funny to me, but. Uh, Kyrie and the Brooklyn Nets basically just not happy. You know, Brooklyn is telling them like, "We ain't giving you this this five year, four year, you know, max contract." Kyrie is fighting against it. It's what I kind of expected from them. Um, but what I will say is, like, Brooklyn is doing the right thing. Why would you give this guy this big deal when you can't trust him to be on the court? And I continue to say this about my guy Kyrie. And he's one of my favorite players to watch. And I, plenty of times people have criticized Kyrie within the last few years. I've been one to very rarely criticize Kyrie because I, I honestly do understand his point of view on a lot of things. While I don't always agree, but I do understand it. And I do just enjoy you know watching him as a basketball player. But I'm, I'm also 
real and I'll criticize him when he deserves to be criticized. And Kyrie on the court, all he gives you is scoring. And he's a 6'2 guard. So there will be nights like this past postseason versus the Boston Celtics where they got swept, where Kyrie just doesn't really give you even scoring. You know, he, he's not Giannis. He's not LeBron. You can't count, you can't count on Kyrie every night in the in the playoffs to give you amazing scoring has he done it before yes he done it before in cleveland but outside of those years with lebron what other years do you have a Kyrie that you can expect for him to play amazing in the regular season and amazing in the postseason and with brooklyn that roster is not great so for them to ever win a championship with Kyrie and kd they need both of those guys to play great throughout the playoffs like you can't have Kyrie have lackluster games and 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 a lackluster series, and you make it to the finals, and you win the champ. Like, no, that roster is not good enough for that. You need amazing Kyrie and amazing KD, similar to how you needed a, you know, great LeBron, great Kyrie for them to win that 2016 finals. You you're gonna need something like that again from Kyrie, and I just don't know if Kyrie still has that in him. Like, not in terms of like his game. I don't think he got worse as a basketball player, but mentally and you know like inside do he really want to pour that out of himself because it's an interview where Kyrie had with KD on his podcast and he talked about how after he won that championship he went to the Olympics and it was kind of like he was kind of like uh like that's it like he wanted more like he wanted more competition and he realized like this is it like basically like work so hard to win a championship and then you get it and you don't get what you really thought you was going to get out of it. You don't feel as happy as you as you thought you would. So maybe that leads into why Kyrie doesn't really commit himself into playing in a regular season, why he doesn't really commit himself into dropping 35 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Um, but, but also, like I say, he's a 6'2 point guard, and outside of scoring, he's not like Steph. Steph is 6'2", 6'3", but Steph is better on defense. He attracts way more attention from the defense. He's a better leader. He's better at driving to the rim. Like, he's a way better shooter. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Steph, obviously, is a better player, you know, obviously. But scoring-wise, he has that over Kyrie. But he also has other things that he does over Kyrie as well. You know, so that's just what I want to give, you know, uh, Steph credit over Kyrie for it. But Kyrie, he'll figure it out, man. Like, He'll figure it out, you know. So I would say next, what I'll be looking for out of um, out of uh, out of Brooklyn to see who would be the next guy they would go after in free agency. Like, if Kyrie leaves, who would be the next player they would like to have by their side for the? Uh, for the uh for the next season because now that um now that Kyrie's talking about leaving which I don't think Kyrie's going to be gone I think Kyrie's going to be back next season he's going to get like a, a shorter deal but I think because he committed to KD and because he talked about uh wanting to come back to Brooklyn next season and at the end of the day like I said Brooklyn is on the right side of things to the public like to the public's point of view they haven't done anything wrong like to the public's point of view they're only just doing what other people would have done themselves you know what I mean so you can't really get mad at them for anything that they've done you know so 
for sure. I would say Kyrie is going to come back because he realizes that Brooklyn isn't in the wrong to the public for not giving you this deal that you want. And you did commit into your words when to come back next season. So I think he'll 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 be back on like a shorter deal. But if he ever wants to leave the Lakers, that idea is just a bad idea. Like that's just a bad idea in my opinion. Like I'm not about to give Kyrie like first of all, Anthony Davis misses a lot of games. Kyrie misses a lot of games. That's a good That's a good idea really. Like I don't know. That sounds kind of crazy to me, but real quick, I want to get to the uh, uh, to the Drake album, to the Drake album. Also, with Brooklyn, they don't just have a Kyrie issue. The rest of that roster, they they need defense, they need shooting, they need like extra, you know, leadership. Because KD isn't a leader, Kyrie isn't a leader. They need those things. They need you know better coaching. I know Steve Nash. I respect Steve Nash, but he isn't a legit head coach. So you know, whatever happens, happens, but. I would say next, um, I want to get to the Drake album. With this Drake album, honestly, never mind. Dropping the same the same night that the Warriors won the championship. You know, light-skinned summer, I guess. Um, Drake album. I wasn't really knowing what to expect, but I expected like a mostly rap album, like a few R&B songs, like a typical Drake album. I was wrong. We get a house album from Drake. And I, I didn't really notice that it said house album. You know, because usually I just click on the album and just play it. I don't really look, you know, the description is just BS most of the time. And you know what I mean? So I just listened to the album and I didn't know that it was technically a house album. You know what I mean? But it was technically a house album. And it definitely is legit a house album, you know. So I play it and falling back from first listen. And Drake has this... This this uh tendency to where his music really do grow on you. Like I be hating on a Drake song and then eventually I listen to it over and over and it's like, man, I love this song. Like Certified Lover Boy had multiple songs that I didn't really love. And then when I go back to the album, I'm like, man, this album is really good actually for me. You know, so falling back from first listen, I love that song. It's a few other songs on the album that I like, but I think what Drake needed on this album was maybe like maybe different voices on the album i think that's probably the best other thing that he could have done but i really think drake did the best he could do with this song i don't know much more which you know you really expect from drake to give you what else is he going to talk about what else is he going to sing like like drake can't really sing for real you know what i mean like it is what it is and you know uh the song with 21 Savage was a good song. That's a song that everybody, you know, pretty much expects from, like, Drake and, you know, uh, 21 Savage. That was cool. But, yeah, the majority of the album, like, like, uh, I would say, what's that song? Calling My Name. Calling My Name. That song is good. Like, I, I like that song. You know what I mean? Like, the beat and everything, when it changes, massive. I, I-, I love that song. It's a few songs on here that I really, really like. Falling Back is going to be one of my favorite songs of the year. I, I love that song. The video was funny to me. I know, you know, some people don't like it. You know, it's another bad Drake video to some people. I don't call it like a bad Drake video. I just thought that it was actually kind of just funny and kind of different. Like, how many videos do you see that that are like that? So, I don't know. I just really 
think that this Drake album is the best that Drake could do with this sound. I don't really think Drake could really do much more with this kind of sound, this kind of album, you know. So I don't know, like possibly one of the reasons people were talking about like Drake was being petty with Kendrick. I don't think that's the reason why he dropped the album, but I did kind of sort of believe it a little bit that he dropped the album on Kendrick's birthday, but I don't really know. To be honest, Drake and Kendrick, are they cool? No. But is it actual beef? Do they actually really dislike each other? I don't think so. I don't think so, honestly. At least Drake, I don't think he do. Kendrick might have, you know, a little bit, you know, whatever. But I don't think Drake do. I think they really have respect for each other. And ain't no actual beef between the two. To where Drake, you got to think, these superstar rappers, there is not a lot that comes to dropping an album. But it is a lot when it comes to dropping an album. So you can't just... Just be like, hey, his birthday is coming up. I'm about to drop an album. Like, it, you know, it's funny to say, but it's, it's it's good for Twitter, but it's not real. You know what I mean? It's not real. So, I would say my next um my next opinion would be to talk about uh talk about why do I think Drake made this sounding of an album? I think the reason why Drake probably made this kind of like sound of like an album. Might have been just because of the fact that he realized that people was talking so much about Certified Lover Boy and how it's a typical Drake album, which is very true. Like he he followed the the same exact formula, like the 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 rap intro where he's rapping a lot. He had the the uh, the the what was it the outro where he's rapping and he's kind of like real somber and like you know over a slow beat and he's really introspective about his life and stuff he had that outro like he had a very typical drake album then you have all of these pop you know songs and then these these r&b bangers and it was a very typical drake album like he followed a same formula and people really called him out on it like a lot and people always have criticisms like every drake album because of how he is as an artist um, and because he does similar things over and over again, you're either going to love it or you're not going to love, you know, love it. So every Drake album is going to get mixed reviews. So that's just what comes with it. But I think that's what made Drake change into trying to do like a house album. I think he also just really, really probably likes the sound a lot. Like to to me, Drake listens to a lot of music. I feel like and I think because he listens to a lot of music, his influences weigh on him a lot, and you can hear it in his music, as opposed to some other artists like a Kendrick probably don't listen to any fucking body really. So he's just doing all types of weird shit that he just wants to do. Well, Drake he'll he'll listen to house music and Caribbean and UK music, and really love these guys and like like Drake is a superstar, but he really treats a lot of people that are regular people or like regular artists and hold them up to like a high standard that you kind of wouldn't expect a superstar like drake to hold them to like drake follows a lot of people on, on uh on uh instagram i know that kind of don't mean a lot to people but that means a lot to me because that shows how much he really like holds people up and how he really values these people and, like he's a fan of, of of you know people as you kind of should be you should never lose that fandom you should never lose that that you know you know that uh joy no matter how big and famous you are yourself so you know that's why i think happens with drake he just listens to these artists and he really pulls for them and like 
I'm a fan of this. Like, I'm really, really a fan of this. I know this sounds like somebody could be caping for Drake. I'm Trust me, I have a history of criticizing Drake. As much as I'm a big fan of Drake, I criticize him a lot. So, trust me, it ain't that. It ain't that, you know what I mean? But I just think Drake is just like a big fan of these artists. And because of it, he, you know, pulls from these genres and really wants to make music you know, for for these genres, you know, so that's just what I get from it. But I would say Falling Back is a great song. Liability is a good song. I'm not as high on that song as other people are, though. Like, people love that Liability record. I don't really, but again, it's a Drake song. So maybe give me a, a few weeks. I'll give y'all the, 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 the deep down breakdown update of how much I love Liability all of a sudden. I, that's what happens with Drake songs, you know what I mean? So I don't know if that's really the case or not, but we'll see, man. We'll see. But the uh, album overall, it's a okay album. It's, it's an okay album that you take whatever songs that you love from it and you pull those th- those songs from it. That's my that's my honest opinion of the Drake album. You take whatever whatever you know favorite songs they are you take those songs and you just hold on to those and that's what i'm doing with this album and you know outside of that i ain't mad at you know hopefully drake finally goes on tour i'm waiting on drake to go on tour i want to go to more concerts so hopefully drake finally goes on tour and stuff for certified love or whatever but you know yeah just take what you can from it and if you're not a drake fan i what you know don't listen to the album because i don't see somebody that's not a drake fan really loving this album even though he's doing different than his other albums definitely i still don't think you really will like the album because you still get i don't know it's, it, it's, it feels like a drake album but he's just doing a little bit different stuff that's why i get the feel it doesn't get the feel like a like a super different house album from drake i get the feeling like this is a drake album where he's just doing a little bit different stuff so, you know, but whatever it is, what it is, Falling Back is an amazing song. I'm going to stand on that. You can argue with me or whatever. You know, my Twitter, N-U-J-A-Y-Y-Y, New J. And I'll, I'll, I'll argue you forever about that, you know. But, yeah, salute to the Warriors for the chip. I'm happy to see Steph get that Finals MVP top 10 all time. Don't argue with me about that one, though. I'm not arguing with you about that. But the Drake Falling Back, I'll argue with you about that one. But... Yeah, um, I definitely will be doing some more uh, episodes and the draft is coming up and just talk about things outside of sports maybe because I've been talking so much about the playoffs and the season finally ended so I can get some, you know, more music or just more life stuff, you know. So thank you for listening. Thank you for always being patient, being with me. Anybody that listen, I appreciate you. If, if you get to this point, then I really, really, you know, I really appreciate you. I always say that, you know, so thank you and you know i was right as Draymond would say fuck them fuck everybody else (laughs) fuck everybody else all right peace